So, for our scripture reading this morning, I have a handful of verses, including the theme verse that was already read for us from Joshua 3, verse 5. But uh, because it was just that one verse, I thought I would talk about a few other stories in the Bible as well. So, I want to start with Exodus 3, which I think we had up just a second ago. Uh, This is Exodus 3, verses 10 through 12a. This is about Moses uh, and the burning bush. Moses is sending God. He says, or sorry, the way around. God is sending Moses. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. Our next passage, Numbers 27, also just two verses here, 18 and 19. The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eliezer the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. And then a bit more in Joshua chapter 1, the second half of verse 5 and verse 6. Now God is talking to Joshua. And God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And then one more time, theme verse for the cadets. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So since today is uh, the fifth Sunday of a month, And we have uh, all of the kids and the leaders with us here this morning who would normally be over in the kids at Mountain View Wing. And it's also Cadets Sunday on top of that. So we also have all these handsome and well-behaved boys up here at the front. (laughs) So today's sermon is going to look a little bit different than most other sermons. Rather than just the whole time me talking and hopefully you listening, I am hoping for a bit of participation, and not just from the kids, but a little bit from everybody, if you can muster that. For starters, however, I do have some questions just for the kids. Whether you're a cadet or not, feel free to stick up your hand and share whatever answer you have with us. So with the theme, Amazing, I want to hear from some of you. What's the most amazing thing that you have ever seen? Anybody out there, what's the most amazing thing you've ever seen? Yeah. Niagara Falls. Oh, I love Niagara Falls. Beautiful there. Yes. A newborn baby. I'm a fresh father as well, so that's an amazing thing for me. Recent thing. Anyone else? What's an amazing thing that you've seen? The most amazing thing? The Northern Lights. Gorgeous. 
A grizzly bear, hopefully not uh, too close. <laughs> a Yellowstone, awesome. Yeah, down here. A sunset, yeah, yeah. All right, seeing dad throw a rack of ribs on the smoker. <laughs> Hopefully it's the most amazing thing you've ever tasted, too. And what's the most amazing thing that you've ever done? Yeah. What's that? Punta Cana. <laughs> okay. When you accepted Christ as your Savior. Amen. It's an amazing thing. When you did karate? Awesome. Anyone else? What's the most amazing thing you've ever done? Yeah. Jumping off a cliff? That is amazing. Hopefully into some water or something soft. <laughs> and what's, oh yeah, one more, here. You got married at 19. That is amazing. <laughs> and what's the most amazing thing that God has ever done? Any ideas? Yeah, here. Create the earth. That is a very amazing thing. That's right. Anyone else? Yeah. He gave his son up for us. Yeah, and you had an answer too? Yeah, that's right. That God died on the cross. That's right. So we'll be talking about some of those things as the sermon goes on. And one final question for you, maybe other than Jesus, who is the most amazing person in the Bible? Paul, I think I heard. Daniel? Daniel is very amazing. I love the book of Daniel. Yeah, over here. Jesus. Jesus is very amazing. That's right. Moses. Awesome. Mary? Yeah. Yes, one more. Abraham. Yes, another very amazing man in the Bible. So, I'm glad that somebody... Uh, brought up Moses, and we'll be talking about Moses and Joshua, that you might consider them to be pretty high on a list of amazing people in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, but possibly the whole Bible, that Moses and Joshua are some of the most amazing men in there. That Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and through the wilderness for 40 years, that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch, or often in other places they call it the Law of Moses because he's the one who wrote them. And Joshua was one of the 12 spies who went and scouted out the promised land before the Israelites went in there. And he was only one of two out of those 12 who believed in God, that God would help them to conquer the land. 
And Joshua would eventually take over for Moses as the leader of the Israelites. And he would go on to lead the Israelites into the promised land and establish a a time of peace and prosperity for God's people. But are these men really as amazing as they seem in these stories? Or is there something more here? Well, let's find out. A wimpy Moses. One of the most famous stories in the Bible, perhaps, is where God calls Moses to be Israel's leader from the burning bush. And in the few verses that we read earlier in Exodus chapter 3, we find Moses essentially saying, no God, please don't choose me. I'm just a nobody. But God says, I will be with you. And at first, that doesn't seem to be enough for Moses. He wants something more. Maybe he just wants to get out of it. And for two chapters, it's Exodus 3 and 4, Moses and God have this ongoing conversation where God is calling Moses to do something amazing. And Moses says, no, please, you got the wrong guy. Don't choose me. I don't want to do it. Moses goes on and he makes excuse after excuse after excuse. In Exodus 3.13 and 4 verse 1 and 4 verse 10. And finally his final plea comes here in Exodus 4.13 where Moses simply says, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please, send someone else. And when I read all of this stuff about Moses trying to get out of what God is calling him to do, then I start to think, boy, this guy's kind of a wimp. But the thing is, I, I think that's kind of the point. Because God doesn't choose only the most amazing people to accomplish his amazing things. God's power is shown in people's weakness. Moses had these deep feelings of inadequacy. He felt like he wasn't good enough for what God was calling him to do. He thought, there's no way I can do what you're asking me to do. I'm not good enough. Moses had so many doubts. And the answer to all of those doubts came in one simple phrase from God that he repeats often throughout the Bible. And God says, I will be with you. And as time went on and Moses was growing older and older, very, very old, we're talking 120 years old, The Israelites were going to need a new leader soon. And so God told Moses exactly who that new leader would be in Numbers 27, which we read a little bit earlier. That Moses was to pick Joshua, son of Nun, as the Israelites' new leader. And then at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses dies, we get here to Joshua chapter 1 where now God is having a conversation with Joshua in the same way 
that God had a conversation with Moses in the burning bush. And this is what God says to Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. And in this chapter goes on to say that phrase again, be strong and courageous three more times. In verses 7 and 9 and 18, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Only be strong and courageous. But where is Joshua going to get all this strength and courage from? If God is going to ask Joshua to do amazing things, how can God expect Joshua to accomplish them? Isn't God asking a lot of him? But God gives Joshua the same promise that he gives to Moses. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. It's God who is amazing. Not Moses. Not Joshua. God is the one who promises to do amazing things to his people and through his people. See, over time, God changed Moses and Joshua. He made them into the great leaders that he wanted them to be, and he is the one who accomplished these amazing things through them. And it's this same God who was with Moses and who was with Joshua who promises to be with us. The same God who says to you, as I was with Moses, as I was with Joshua, so I will be with you. The cadet theme for this year is Joshua 3, verse 5. This verse takes place just before the Israelites enter the promised land. The next day, Joshua tells the people, Consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. The amazing thing that God does is that He allows the Israelites to cross the Jordan River on dry ground. Just like they did when they were crossing the Red Sea, escaping from Egypt, when Moses was their leader. Very similar story. Now, I'm doing some online school right now. I'm training uh, and studying to become a lead pastor. And one of the things that you study when you're training to be a pastor is that you study the languages that the Bible was originally written in. A question for you all. Does anybody know what language the Old Testament was originally written in? Yeah. That's right. You got it, man. Hebrew. Originally, the Old Testament was written entirely in Hebrew. And it's been translated into English and a lot of other different languages for people to be able to read together, like we get to do this morning. 
But if we want to have the best understanding of what the original author is trying to say, then we should study a bit the language that they wrote it in. Because it's an unfortunate reality that sometimes things get lost in translation, as they say. So when I was looking at this theme verse, Joshua 3 verse 5, I wondered about what some of these words were in Hebrew. And in order to try to get a better understanding of what exactly is being said, I wanted to look at some of the Hebrew words. So the first word that I want to talk about that I looked at is this word amazing. The Hebrew root word here is pala, which means amazing. But it also means wonderful or difficult or extraordinary. So repeat after me. Everyone say pala. Great. You'll be Hebrew scholars in no time. The sermon series that we did a little while ago over Advent, over Christmas time, uh, was called Extraordinary Ordinary. I'll credit Eric for a great title. And it was about God using ordinary people, like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men, to accomplish extraordinary things. And that's exactly what God is promising to do here through Joshua and through the Israelites. And he has the same promise for you as well. No matter how ordinary you feel, God can, and I believe that he will, do amazing and extraordinary things to you and through you. And these amazing pala things that God is doing, they're only things that, that God can do. They're so baffling, so incredible that when you see them, you're left gasping for the right words and you could just say, God, how did you even do that? That's amazing. And it's these amazing things that makes God worthy of our worship like we're gathered here to do this morning. It makes him worthy of our love and our trust because he does these amazing things. And in Joshua 3 verse 5, God promises to do an amazing thing right in front of the Israelites' faces. And so, Joshua tells the people that they need to consecrate themselves. What in the world does that mean? So the second word I want to look at and talk about is consecrate. And the Hebrew word that's used here is kadash, which means consecrate. But it also means holy, and it means set apart. So everyone say kadash. Even better this time. In our catechism classes uh, at youth group, we've been talking a bit about the word holy because we're talking about the law right now. 
And the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments is to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And holy there is the same word consecrate here. And I really like this definition, set apart, because I think it helps explain it a little bit better. It means to make it different. The idea is that the Sabbath day should be a different day than the rest of the days of the week. It should be a day that's set apart, it's holy, it's consecrated for a specific purpose that we might focus on God. And Joshua is sort of saying a similar thing to the Israelites here. Consecrate yourselves. Don't go and do just your regular work. This isn't a time for shearing the sheep or watering the crops or playing a game. This is not the time for homework or watching TV or scrolling on TikTok. This is a time for something special. It's a time for something amazing. God is going to do an amazing thing. And it's important that you're prepared for it. And the Israelites had a lot of ceremonial washings and things like that that God had given them to do in the Old Testament in order to make things clean, in order to make things consecrated. But we don't really follow those things today. So then what should we do? We should be ready. And since it's Cadet Sunday, then I thought that I might use a few sports metaphors. Plus, I like sports. So there are a few phrases that you hear pretty often when it comes to sports and being ready. A very common phrase that you'll hear, whether it's baseball or soccer or almost anything else, really, is that people will say, hey, keep your eye on the ball. And what they're trying to get you to do when they say that is to focus on the thing that's important. And don't get distracted by anything else that's going on. You need to be paying attention to the right stuff. And I think that idea applies to our whole life, especially in your relationship with God. Don't get distracted by the other things that aren't as important. Like, what other people think? Or how much money or stuff you have, or maybe don't have. Especially being compared to others. Just focus on what's important, on what really matters. Keep your focus on God. Keep your eye on God. Another example. I've played a lot of volleyball in my life, and I know there are a handful of other people here this morning, young and old, who also have a love for volleyball. And I once had a coach who would often tell us, palms up. And palms up uh, is a good way to stand to be ready for the ball to come to you. And it's important because it means that you're ready for anything to come. 
And sometimes our relationship with God can be a little bit like that. Sometimes we have no idea what to expect from God. But either way, we should be anticipating him to do something. We know he's an active God and he is at work. It would be good for us to be ready. And unexpected things happen in our life all the time. It could be anything. But if you continue to spend time with God, you continue to pay close attention, and you don't get distracted by the things that aren't important and the things that don't matter, and you're going to see God clearly at work. And it's a guarantee seeing God at work means that you're going to see amazing things happening. And they might be amazing things that God is doing to you, like helping you grow and changing you and shaping you into the person that he's calling you to be, young or old. It might be amazing things that God is doing around the world that you really don't even have anything to do with, but you get to witness it and see God doing amazing things. And they might be amazing things that are happening to the people around you that you get the opportunity to play a part in. And that's something amazing that God is doing through you. He has the power to change your life and the lives of the people around you in amazing ways. Because the most amazing thing that God has ever done which we talked about earlier, is to send Jesus. That's what Christianity is all about. That's the whole thing. How amazing it is that God, perfect and infinite, decided to humble himself, become a human, and die a humiliating death on a cross for people who don't deserve it. That we don't deserve his love. Romans 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to be amazing for Christ to die for you. He loves you anyways. He loved you first while you were still a sinner. That's the most amazing thing that has ever happened and ever will happen in the history of the whole universe. That Christ died. That God died for you and for me. Because he loves us. What an amazing thing. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you for being so amazing. We thank you for the amazing stories that we get to read about in the Bible. How they teach us something 
about ourselves and how they teach us something about who you are. So help us, we pray, to eagerly anticipate you doing amazing things to us and through each one of us. Amen.